everyone leaves a legacy. But a legacy can change over time as new generations re-examine old reputations. From Wondery and Goalhanger Podcasts, I'm Afwa Hirsch. I'm Peter Frankopan, and in a brand new series, we're exploring the lives of some of the biggest characters in history, from Napoleon to Picasso. And asking, what does their past tell us about our present? This is Legacy. Follow now, wherever you get your podcasts. You are now listening to Mark's Unexplained World by Mark the Medium from Hinkley Community Radio, a non-profit podcast radio station. Tonight's episode is about the Karovina Group incident. Over to you, Mark. Back in 1993, seven members of a hiking group led by master hiker and survivalist Ludmila Korovin set off on a trip into the Kamar Daban mountain range, which is located in the Cyan Mountains in Russia. Just six days later, a group of kayakers spotted a young girl covered in blood. The young girl was Valentina Yutachenko, who turned out to be the only survivor of the Ludmila Kurovin hiking group. The other members of the Kurovin party weren't found for months afterwards, mainly due to them being buried under 13 feet of snow. When the other final six bodies of the deceased members of the hiking group were eventually discovered, up in the snowy mountain range, they were found spread out on the ground, wearing only their socks or in other various stages of undress. Their autopsies found signs that they had all suffered with hypothermia and a protein deficiency. Valentina Yutachenko was so traumatized by the event she witnessed that it took her years to be able to tell the police exactly what had happened to her fellow hikers. Greetings, unexplainers. Thank you for tuning in once again and listening to this episode of Mark's Unexplained World. My name is Mark Hughes. I'm a psychic medium, a ufologist, and a guy who loves a good mystery. In this episode of Mark's Unexplained World, I'm going to tell you about the tragic story surrounding the Karovin Group incident. And this week's necessary disclaimer. This story is a tale that very sadly involves missing people and persons found under circumstances. Oh, sorry, per- and persons found under sad circumstances. Sorry about that. So it may prove upsetting to some. You listen at your own discretion. However, please remember that all the opinions and comments are strictly my own, but the facts still remain. 
I also apologise if I pronounce anything incorrectly. My English, although it is my first and only language, will probably always remain my first and only language, which I think is probably a relief for all these 7,117 languages that there are around the world. Anyway, let's get back to this episode of Mark's Unexplained World. According to Wikipedia, the Kamar Daban is a mountain range in southern Siberia in Russia. The mountain range is located in Buryatia with a small section in Irkutsk Oblast. It rises near the Baikal Mountains, not far from Lake Baikal. It forms a geographic prolongation of the Cyan Mountains, with the highest peak being the Ultrasinskaya Podkova at 2,396 metres, or 7,861 feet high. Chazi Peak is another important summit of the mountain range, peaking at 2,090 metres, or 6,860 feet high. The southern end of the range is part of the Selenga Highlands, and the climate of the northern part is range, the range is affected by the Lake Baikal, being temperature and hu sorry, being temperate and humid, with precipitation of up to 1,300 millimetres, or 51 inches per year. The average temperature in January is approximately minus 16 to minus 18 degrees Celsius, or 3 to 0 degrees Fahrenheit. You'd think one day I'd do a show with all English names, wouldn't you? Anyway, right, <clears throat> where was I? Oh, yes. The Korovin Hiking Group consisting, consisted of the following hikers. The leader was 41-year-old Ludmila Korovin, along with her closest friend, 23-year-old Alexander, or Sasha Krisin. Ludmila had known Sasha for most of his life and considered him to be the most, to be almost a son to her. The other five students were 23-year-old Tatania Filipenko, 24-year-old Denis Svakin, 19-year-old Valentina, or Vela, Yutachenko, 16-year-old Victoria Zelasova, and 15-year-old Tima Bapanov. It's the summer of 1993, and the hiking leader, 41-year-old Ludmila Korovin, had planned a hiking trip with six of her students to the Kamar Daban mountain range in the Cyan Mountains. She was a very experienced hiker, and this particular area, which was not only a very popular tourist spot, but in the summer it was also considered a very safe place to hike. Ludmila Korovin was an experienced survivalist and hiking instructor, so much so that her students labelled her as a master. 
She was known for being very tough with her students and often pushed them very hard. However, her tough regime had ultimately paid off, as her students often described her as being a good instructor, teaching them confidence and crucial hiking skills. Ludmilla Korovin was very close to her students, as she had trained them all for the Kamar Daban mountain range trip. It was the 2nd of August 1993 and the weather forecast for the area promised to be clear blue skies. The group of seven consisting of leader Ludmilla, Ludmilla Korovin along with her students Sasha Krisin, Tatiana Filipenko, Denis Fakin, Valia Yutachenko, Victoria Zolova and Timar Bapanov arrived excited for their journey into the mountains in the town of Marino, which was the small town in Sevoloski. Is that right, Sevoloski? Something like yes. that. Yes, <laughs> something like I that. I apologise to everyone in <laughs> Russia, I really do. <clears throat> Who was that? Ludmilla. Ludmilla Korovin, Korovin and her students were one of three hiking groups in the area at the time one of one of which was being led by Ludmilla's own daughter, Natalia Korovina. The two groups, Ludmilla's and her daughter Natalia's, had plans to meet up two days later on the 5th of August, when both of their hiking routes would cross each other's path. So, D-Day was finally upon them, and all of the six students were ready to begin their hike. This was a journey the six students had been planning and anticipating for weeks, no, months. And the result, and as a result, the group had become very close friends. This was their chance to finally prove to themselves and each other that they were experienced hikers. On the first couple of days, the hikers were doing really well. In fact, the hike was going a lot better than originally planned, with all the groups making very good time. However, by the 4th of August, as they started their descent, the weather took a turn for the worst and the original forecast of clear skies proving to have been completely wrong and consequently they were hit by a huge rainstorm. After the first short break, in part two, we will look at how Ludmila Korovin and her students missed the meeting point with her daughter Natalia's hiking group and how a group of kayakers spotted one of the hikers alive days later. This show is brought to you courtesy of Neil Packer and the Haunted Antiques Paranormal Research Centre.
find them online at www.hauntedresearchcentre.com or at 9211 Regent Street, Hinkley, LE101AW. Open on Saturdays from 10am to 4pm for guided tours of the haunted rooms at just £3 per person. Booking is essential at all times, and over 16s only please, unless accompanied by an adult. The haunted rooms are extremely haunted, and paranormal activity could, and has, taken place at any time. Some areas and particular objects or items can be quite scary and unnerving. Membership is available for £25 to qualify for selective offers. And why not download the app, available on both iOS and Android, for only £3.99 to keep up to date with what is coming up at the centre. group of seven hikers supplies being absolutely drenched after being hit by the huge rainstorm. Their journey was slowed down considerably by the extra weight they were now carrying. This exhausted the hikers somewhat after carrying all this extra weight, so the group leader Ludmila Korovin decided to camp out sooner rather than later. Unfortunately, in a more exposed location, even though not too far away, there was better tree cover. As a consequence of everything getting damp and wet, the group were unable to build a fire. So, after a cold, damp night, the next morning the group tried to light a fire again. Fortunately, this time they were successful and they all ate breakfast together before heading out for the day. The group still planned to meet up with Ludmila Korovin's daughter, Natalie Korovin, and despite the early stop-off last night, they still expected to do so, given how quickly they had made their way up the mountain the previous day. So later on that same day, Natalia Korovin and her group made it to the meeting spot and waited. However, her mother and the other members of her group never showed up. Natalia Korovin didn't worry too much about her mother's whereabouts. She just figured that the huge storm had set her and the others back a bit. And after all and said and done, her mother was a very experienced hiker. So Natalia Korovina and her group moved on. Unfortunately, however, it was more than just a bad storm that had set her mother and her group back that day.
Several days later, on the 10th of August, a group of kayakers saw something on the shoreline as they were paddling down the river at the base of the Kemar Daban Mountains. On the bank of the river stood a young girl standing alone, just looking out at them. The group of kayakers moved to shore, got out of their boats and approached the young girl. There are a few mixed sources as to the condition of the young girl when approached by the kayakers, with some books and websites claiming that she was covered in dried blood and some claiming she wasn't. To be honest, I don't know which is true or which is not. I wasn't there at the time. As the kayakers approached a young girl, she started to become hysterical and tried to tell them what had happened to her and her colleagues. After she had calmed down, she eventually identified herself to the kayakers as Valentina Yutachenko and that she had been hiking with six other friends. With that, the kayakers took Valentina Yutachenko to the nearest police station where a preliminary report was filed. Just for a recap, Valentina Yutachenko was the 19-year-old hiker, otherwise known as Valia. According to the 19-year-old hiker, Valentino Yutachenko, on the morning of the 5th of August, after eating their breakfast, the group set off down the Kumar Daban mountain range. However, after only a few minutes into the hike, things started to go wrong. 23-year-old Alexander Krisin, otherwise known as Sasha, who was at the back of the hiking group, began screaming. When the rest of the hiking group turned to see what was going on, they saw that young Sasha was bleeding both from the eyes and ears, frothing at the mouth, and he then he fell to the floor convulsing and then stopped moving altogether. The group leader, Ludmila Korovin, then ran straight to him and ordered the rest of the group to continue on with the hiking trail. Ludmila Korovin was extremely distraught, desperately trying to get young Sasha to gain consciousness. The remainder of the hiking group didn't have to get far before they suddenly heard their group leader, Ludmila Korovin, also scream out. As the remaining group members turned and ran back towards their group leader, Ludmila, they saw that she had also blood coming from her eyes and ears, along with the frothing of the mouth, the exact same symptoms as young Sasha. The group leader then also started convulsing, and eventually she collapsed on top of the already deceased Alexander Krisin. Next, it was 23-year-old Tatania Filipenko, who had gotten to Ludmilia Korovina first, who started to collapse, grabbing at her throat as though she couldn't breathe. Tatania then slowly crawled over to a nearby rock 
and repeatedly smacked her own head against it until she ultimately passed out. It was then that the 16-year-old Victoria Zelosva and the 15-year-old Timar Bapanov both decided to run, but then suddenly died in a similar manner to the others, throwing up blood and grabbing at their own throats, each tearing off their own clothes. Meanwhile, 24-year-old Dennis Fakin hid behind a nearby rock and the 19-year-old Valentina Yutachenko, having just stood and watched four of her closest friends die with only minutes of each other, just stood there helpless and unable to move. Denis Faklin and Valentina Yutachenko, realising they were the only ones left alive, ran to each other and then quickly ran away from the sight of their friend's death. Until then, suddenly and without warning, Dennis Faklin also collapsed in the same manner, convulsing with blood streaming from his nose and ears and froth coming out from his mouth. Valentina Yutochenko, suddenly realising that she was now on her own and absolutely scared witless for her own life, ran and left what was left of her friends behind. All she had on her person to help survive was a small tent and the clothes she was wearing on her back. Valentina Yutochenko ran down the mountain as fast as she could until she was certain she was as far away as possible from the tragedy that she had just witnessed. She eventually found adequate tree cover and set up the tent for the night and then fell asleep. Valentina Yutochenko woke up the next morning and realised she was still alive. Her first priority now was survival, and in order to do that she needed supplies. Valia knew that in order to survive alone in the wilderness, she needed both food and water to eat and drink. But the big problem was that the only way she could gain access to any of these much needed supplies meant she would have to return to the site of her friend's deaths. Knowing that she had no other choice, Valia started to retrace her steps and make the long tre trek back up the mountain. When Valia reached the site, she saw that none of her friend's bodies had moved from the spots where they had fallen. Knowing that all her friends were now all deceased, Valia very quickly took the supplies that she needed from their bodies and left. For four very long days, Valentino Yutachenko followed the power lines back down the mountain in the hope that someone would find her. Eventually, she found a river and began to follow it. Finally, by the end of her fourth day, she was found by the aforementioned kayakers and taken to safety. 
It's worth pointing out here that it wasn't until six years later that Valia was able to slowly tell the story of what happened to her other six members of the hiking group. Despite the reporting of the incident to the police, there wasn't an official search of the of the Kamadaban mountain range con conducted sorry, until later that same year, on the 24th of August, 1993. Since Valentina Yuchenko was too traumatised to be able to recount her version of events at the time, it took nearly two days to find the bodies using helicopters. An autopsy report concluded that the five of the hikers had all died of hypothermia, except for Ludmila Korovin, who had suffered a heart attack. The autopsy report also said that all the, hi all the hikers had signs of bruised lungs and protein deficiency due to malnutrition, which was listed as a contributing factor to their deaths. As a result, all the hikers' deaths were ultimately ruled to be accidental. After this second short break, in the last part of this podcast, we will look at some of the theories and rumours that have been banded about regarding the circumstances behind the death of the hikers. Fright Nights was established in 1999 as the first company in the world to offer overnight ghost hunt experiences to the general public, pioneering paranormal events since the last century. Fright Nights operate at hundreds of the UK's most haunted and exclusive venues. All events have their own team of experienced paranormal investigators, mediums and psychics. They have a VIP members club for regular returning guests, offering loyalty discounts and exclusive invitation only events. They can also host private events for your family and friends. You can contact them on 07 852 998 628 or email them at office at frightnights.co.uk or take a look at their website at www.frightnights.co.uk where you can see the many locations they investigate and learn about them and the opportunities they have available. Hundreds of ghost hunters join Fright Nights every month for the most thrilling ghost hunting experiences they'll never forget. If you haven't been on a ghost hunt before, then why not join them to see what it's all about? Why not visit their social media sites for up-to-date information on all the places they visit and to see what's coming up in the future. They look forward to seeing you all soon. Fright Nights Ghost Hunting Events. Remember, only the original will do. The 
the theories regarding as to what really happened to the Korovin hiking group that day in 1993 have varied from eating mushrooms to alien abduction. I mean, could it be possible that Valentina Yutachenko's first-hand account of what happened that day be inaccurate? From what I have read regarding the impacts of trauma, it can make one's ability to understand and remember what once happened to you a little hazy. But let's take a look at some of the theories. The way Valentino Yutachenko described the group members dying is similar to what would happen if someone was exposed to a chemical weapon like some sort of nerve gas. Many websites have pointed out that the symptoms described by the survivor Valentina Yutachenko of her fellow hikers are all consistent with dying by chemical weaponry or, more specifically, nerve agents. With particular reference to the frothing of the mouth and com violent convulsing, which also matches with the autopsy report. And as we know, contact with nerve agents does cause respiratory distress. The bruising of the lungs can be a sign of death by nerve gas, which again matches up with the autopsy reports. And not only that, but cardiac arrest is also caused by nerve agents, which matches the group leader, Ludmila Korovin, cause of death. It has been suggested that the specific nerve agent that might have killed the hikers may have been a Novichok gas. On an interesting side note, Novichok gas belongs to a family of nerve agents, some of which are binary chemical weapons. The agents were developed by the State Chemical Research Institute by the Soviet Union, Union and Russia between 1971 and 1993. Some Novichok agents are solids at standard temperature and pressure, while others are liquids. Dispersal of solid form agents is thought possible if an in an ultrafine powder state. Russian scientists who have developed the nerve agents claimed that they are the deadliest ever made. Iran has also been associated with the production of such chemical agents. And from what I've researched, it appears that Novichok agents were reportedly being tested in various areas near the Kamar Daban region in 1993. Another theory is that the hiking group ate some poisonous mushrooms by mistake. From what I can see, the group leader, Ludmila Korovin, was also known as a forager of fungi and the like, and made a point of teaching the art to her students. So it is possible that one of the hiking group found some dodgy mushrooms and added them to their breakfast that morning. And after eating their breakfast, they, when they continued their hike, the effects of the dodgy mushrooms may have, been, may have begun to take effect, causing them to hallucinate. 
And interestingly enough, one of the most common hallucinations caught by psilocybin, what's that, sorry, what is that, psilocybin? Philosophin. <laughs> Your guess is as good as mine. Psilocybin? Psilocybin, that's it, yeah. Uh, caused by psilocybin mushrooms. It's to see other people... I'll tell you what, I'll read that again because I've probably lost the thread a little bit. And interesting enough, interestingly enough, one of the most common hallucinations caused by psilocybin mushrooms is to see other people cry blood. Another, another interesting side note, psilocybin mushrooms or commonly known as magic mushrooms, are a poly, 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 polyphyletic, polyphyletic. polyphyletic informal group of fungi that contain psilocybin, which turns into psilocin upon ingestion. As you can see, I'm not a chemist. Amongst other cultural applications, psilocybin mushrooms are used as recreational drugs. Overdoses of psilocybin can cause psychosis, convulsions, cardiac arrest, and even send someone into a coma. It is possible that Valentina Yutachenko could have survived by eating less mushrooms or by having a natural tolerance or have a genetic disposition to being less affected by them. Another popular theory is that the hiking group drank some water, which was mixed with toxic waste. This theory mainly relies on the huge rainstorm that came down on the 4th of August, bringing down various toxins, proposing that the group of hikers drank the toxins mixed in with their drinking water. Also, Lake Baikal, which sits above the mountains, is a well-known toxic waste dumping ground. And if this toxic waste was washed downstream and into the water, the hikers could have accidentally drunk the deadly toxins with their breakfast. And on our last bit of interesting stuff for this podcast, Lake Baikal is a rift lake in Russia. It is situated in southern Siberia between the federal subjects of Ikutsk Oblast to the north to the northwest and the Republic of Buryata to the southeast. Lake Baikal is the world's seventh largest lake by surface area. However, because it is also the deepest lake with a maximum depth of 1,642 meters or 898 fathoms, Lake Baikal is the world's largest freshwater lake by volume containing 22-23% to 23% of the world's fresh surface water. More than all of North American Great Lakes combined. It is also the world's oldest lake at 25-30 to 30 million years old and among one of the clearest. Which does make you wonder why on Earth it is a well-known dumping ground for toxic waste. It is possible that Valentina Yutachenko may have survived by drinking less of the supposedly toxic water, or may have even retrieved her drinking water from a different location than the rest of the hikers together. And like the aforementioned theory with the poisonous mushrooms, it probably took a few minutes to take effect, 
which might explain why all the hikers died together later on, on the trail. I suppose the main problem with the toxic water theory is that all the deaths were an isolated incident. And if a water source that is used by many tourists and the like was so badly contaminated, wouldn't other members of the public have also been affected? So it doesn't really make sense that only one solitary group of hikers would have been affected by it. Of course, it is possible that, uh, that the hikers died exactly how the autopsy reported in that five of the hikers all died from hypothermia, except for the group leader, Ludmila Korovin, who had suffered a heart attack. The group may have succumbed to hypothermia after not being properly sheltered on that wet night, and then unfortunately died together on the mountain. Valentina Yutachenko could have survived by her decision to run quickly to the forest, or a difference in her clothing. Or maybe, as Valentina Yutachenko reportedly said herself in regard to her survival, she was physically fit. I should also point out here that people who die from hypothermia often experience what is known as paradoxical undressing. This is a phenomena whereupon people strip off their clothes shortly before their death. This would also be a, a valid explanation for the group of hikers being found in different states of being undressed. Unfortunately, many of the families of the Korovin group incident will probably never get any closure, since there is no clear-cut explanation as to what happened to those six remaining hikers. So, to summarise, this incident may forever remain as unexplained, with many interesting theories being banded about to keep the story alive for years to come. Thank you all for taking the time out to listen to this episode of Mark's Unexplained World. In our next episode, that is show number 74, we are going to be looking at the tragic story of David Reimer. David Reimer was a Canadian man, born as a male, but raised by his family as a girl, which followed the medical advice and some intervention after his penis was severely injured during a terribly botched circumcision in infancy. This was well known in medical circles for years, anonymously as the John Joan case. Reimer later went public with his very own story to help discourage similar medical practices. Sadly, at the age of 38, David committed suicide after suffering from severe depression. This show was written and researched by myself, Mark Hughes, and proofread and edited by Linda Hughes. The actors in this episode were Mark Hughes, Linda Hughes and Denise Pooler. Sorry, Denise. With special thanks to Neil Packer and the staff at the Haunted Antiques Paranormal Research Centre in Hinckley. And a big thanks to everyone for listening. 
Mark's unexplained world, because there's more to the paranormal than meets the third eye. And remember guys, keep it real, because being real is better than being perfect. This show and all its contents are covered by basic copyright of Mark the Medium. Everyone leaves a legacy. But a legacy can change over time as new generations re-examine old reputations. From Wondery and Goalhanger Podcasts, I'm Afwa Hirsch. I'm Peter Frankopan, and in a brand new series, we're exploring the lives of some of the biggest characters in history, from Napoleon to Picasso. And asking, what does their past tell us about our present? This is Legacy. Follow now, wherever you get your podcasts.